This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. That's too many restrictions. See, the most narrow statement that the Lord Jesus Christ made was when he said in John 14, 6, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And when he said in John 17, 3, very narrow when he said, and this is life eternal, that they may know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. That's eternal life. There's no tolerance in those statements. There's no broad-mindedness permitted in those statements. When it comes to getting to heaven, there's no tolerance. There's no broad-mindedness. There's no tolerance and broad-mindedness in athletics. In athletics, there's only one winner. There's no broad-mindedness when it comes to who won the competition. There's no tolerance or broad-mindedness in the area of chemistry. A molecule of water is made up of two hydrogen atoms and one oxygen atom, and there is no room for tolerance or broad-mindedness there if you want to have a water molecule. There's no tolerance or broad-mindedness in the area of mathematics. The square root of four is two. There's no room for broad-mindedness on that issue of what the square root of four is, and that writes God. There's no broad-mindedness or tolerance in biology. There are four nucleotides that make up our DNA, that make up DNA. There is no tolerance, no broad-mindedness for the number of nucleotides or the molecular structure of those nucleotides. That's it. And that upset the baby, and I'm sorry. (laughs) She thought there was. Anyway... (laughs) So if in the laws of the physical world, these things are absolute, there's no room for tolerance, there's no room for broad-mindedness, what must it be like in the laws of the spiritual world? There's no room for tolerance there either. There's no room for broad-mindedness for how you get to heaven. 
So the natural question is, with all this narrowness of, and this unpopular way, is it worth it? Is it worth it? All this narrowness, all this, 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 this straightness, all this aloneness, is it worth it? And the Lord answers that question with the ultimate description of the narrow way and the non-popular way and the way that goes against the crowd and the way that is, it is by this decisive statement when he says, it leads to life. It leadeth to life. That is the straight, is the gate straight? Yes. Is it narrow? Yes. Because it's a straight gate, narrows the way, but it leads to life. It leads to life. It's the only way that leads to life. Is it worth it? Yes, life's worth it. So Ruth, tell me, was it really worth it to go through this straight gate in this narrow way, coming back to Israel? And Ruth would say, yes, for one reason, it led to life. Was it worth it? Yes, because the broad way and the wide, the wide gate back to Moab, that led to destruction. But when I took the hard way, the narrow gate, the, the, the straight gate and the, and the narrow way, that led to life. And that's our testimony also as believers. Yeah, we went through this way. Why? Because we found life in the Lord Jesus Christ. Worth it. And then the Lord said, how many are there? They really fight their way, really actually fight their way through the straight gate and the narrow way. How many actually do fight against the crowd? How many really do fight against all the, the popular few? He said, few. Few there be that find it. And Boaz knew that Ruth was one of those few that found life. So in verse 8, Boaz speaks directly to Ruth, and his first words are, Hearest thou not my daughter? Hearest thou not my daughter? What message did that convey to Ruth? I mean, if you're Ruth and you're sitting here, you're hearing that, you go, what, what does that say to you? First, the first thing it says is that, uh, is your hearing aid turned on? <laughs> you know, I want you to hear what I'm going to say here. So it's a good, okay, she's so got that message. But by ask her if she's hearing, he's not really asking her if she's hard of hearing. He starts off by saying that. He's really saying to her, I really want you to hear what I'm going to say. I'm really going to say something important to you here. And the most important thing he says to her is just two words, my daughter. Hearest thou not my daughter? My daughter, she thinks. My daughter. He's saying, look, some may call you a foreigner. Some may call you a stranger. You may even call yourself a stranger, and you do. But I'm calling you my daughter. See, Ruth was hearing Boaz say what the Lord Jesus Christ said to the crowds in Matthew 12, 47 through 50, when it says, Then said one unto him, Behold, thy mother and thy brethren stand without desiring to speak with you, with thee. But he answered and said unto him that told him, Who's my mother? Who are my brethren? He stretches forth his hand toward his disciples and said, Behold, my brother, behold, my brethren, whosoever shall do the will of my Father in heaven, the same as my, mother, my brother, my sister, my mother. See, those are the words that came to Ruth. She got that message. She was accepted by Boaz. She left Naomi. When she left Naomi, she, had, she, she said to Naomi, I, she, said, she said to Naomi, I got a promise. I'm promising you, in verse 2, Ruth the Moabite has said unto Naomi, let me now go to the field and glean o'er ears of corn after him in whose sight I shall find grace 
And she said unto her, go, my daughter. See, up until this point, the only person who had accepted Ruth was Naomi. And the last words that Ruth heard from Naomi when she left and, and, and it were the words, my daughter. And so Ruth went out into this foreign world with these assuring words. It's all she had in her mind. Naomi called me my daughter. And so she goes out saying to herself, Naomi called me my daughter. Naomi called, it doesn't matter that these people may despise me. It doesn't matter that they hate me because I'm a Moabite. It doesn't matter that they treat me because I'm an unwanted uh, foreigner because Naomi accepts me. And she called me my daughter. See, those words, my daughter from Naomi, that meant so much to Ruth. And Naomi calls Ruth my daughter after Ruth had promised her that she was going to go out and glean ears of corn in the field of someone she was going to find grace in his eyes. And the basis for Ruth's confidence was what? It was her confidence in God. It was not an assumption on her part. It was her confidence in God. So as Naomi looks at Ruth, she says, oh, that's beautiful. She's got a fresh, young, zealous confidence in God. She's sure that she's going to find a landowner out there that's going to give her grace because she's sure that God's going to give her grace in that person's eyes. And so Naomi looks at that and says, oh, my daughter. Naomi's saying to Ruth, I admire that fresh, vibrant faith in God. I call you my daughter. And she thinks, I used to be like that. God used to be my first love. I used to be just like you, Ruth. I call you my daughter. So Ruth hears these same words from Boaz, my daughter. And when Boaz calls Ruth my daughter, he doesn't know that Naomi has also called her my daughter. Not everyone in Israel was calling Ruth my daughter. Naomi had, but Naomi and Boaz have, they did. And when she hears those two Israelites call her my daughter, she says to herself, now the hope that I told Naomi, which was your people shall be my people, that's been fulfilled. When they call me my daughter, these are my people. And she knows that the people of God are her people, and she's happy. That's, what, that's why the title to Boaz, for Boaz to Ruth, my daughter, was so meaningful. He calls her my daughter. That represented just an open declaration. Let everybody hear it. Let everybody know it. I am calling Ruth my daughter. I am declaring my open relationship with her. I'm as close as a father and a daughter. I'm as close as a brother and a sister in the Lord. That's what the Lord Jesus Christ does for us. He looked at his disciples and he openly declares his relationship to them when he said in Luke 22, 28, ye are they which have continued with me in my temptations. Well, you can picture them looking at each other and you say, who, me? Who, you? <laughs> because they say, who's he talking about? We, we, we failed him so much. Uh, Peter is about to die him three times continued in his temptations. He knew the greatest temptation was going to come in the Garden of Gethsemane. They're going to scatter. It'll be gone. But he says, you continued with me in my temptations. He knows that. He says that. Why? Encouragement. He encourages them. And to encourage us this morning, he looks at us and he says, I know you failed. I know you failed. I'm not holding those failures against you. 
I'm not holding those failures in front of me. I'm saying you continue with me in my temptations. Now, the two parts go together. Hearest thou not my daughter? And there's something significant in that. Because Boaz says to Ruth, hearest thou not? And then he says, my daughter. He's not just saying to Ruth, hearest thou not? And left off the my daughter part. Because that would come across as cold, as sterile, as a lord over Ruth. Listen to me what I'm saying to you. He's not saying that. When Boaz says, hearest thou not my daughter, the my daughter part makes all the difference in the world because Ruth would say, now I really want to hear what you have to say because you're talking to me with the love of a father to a daughter. And aren't those the same words that Boaz said to Ruth, the same words the Lord says to us? See, wouldn't it be wonderful if we, had, if we took our Bibles and we had these words printed on the covers of our Bibles? Wouldn't that be great? If, if, if every time we opened up the, oh, never mind, open it, if every time we grabbed a Bible and it said these words on the cover, hearest thou not my daughter or my son or my child? Hearest thou not? Wouldn't that be great if it was printed on the covers of our Bible? Because on the covers of our Bible, it would remind us the Bible's not just a cold, sterile book to us. The Bible are the words from my father to me, his child. And with those words on the cover of our Bible, every time we come to the Bible, we would hear Solomon's testimony from Proverbs 4, 3 and 4, where he said, For I was my father's son, tender and only beloved in the sight of my mother. He taught me also and said unto me, Let thine heart retain my words, keep my commandments, and live. See, for 14 years, I watched my wife homeschool our our three boys. She homeschooled our three boys for 14 years. And as I watched that, I thought, boy, homeschooling is the best because no one can teach with such a love like a parent. Like a parent teaching her child because every time, every time a mom in homeschool, teaches her child, that child knows he is tender and only beloved in the sight of his mother. And so when Boaz says to Ruth, hearest thou not my daughter, it drives this question to us. Did we hear from our Heavenly Father this morning? I mean, that's a question. Did we? If I was to ask you, what did you hear from your Heavenly Father this morning before you came to church? What would you say? Did, you, did, did, did we leave our morning devotions this morning without hearing from God? Did he, say, uh, did he say about our time that we spent in the Bible this morning, did he say, did you, hear my, did you hear me, my child? Hearest thou not, my child, when I spoke to you? Every time we open our Bible, we, we, should, we should read these words. Hearest thou not, my child? Every time we open our Bible, we should say to God, I am determined to hear you, my father. Now, Ruth is very tuned in to the next words because the next words that Boaz says in Ruth in verse 8, then Boaz said unto Ruth, hearest thou not my daughter? Go not to glean another field, neither go from hence, but abide here fast by my maidens. He said, what he's saying is, don't leave. Don't go to another field. Stay here in, in my field. See, what do we see Boaz not saying here? See, Boaz is not saying, Ruth, it's nice you came to my field. I hope you have a good experience while you're here in my field. 
feel free to leave if you want to. My field is always open to you. It doesn't matter to me whether you stay or you leave. It's totally up to you. Whatever you decide, I'm okay with it. Just make yourself at home while you're here. If I get up one day, find out you're gone, it's okay. It's fine. Whether you stay or you leave, doesn't matter. One way or the other, totally up to you. He's not saying that at all. That's not his attitude. See, he's not passive over this issue about whether or not she stays. He's saying, no. He's saying, actively, Ruth, stay. Stay in my field because he wanted to take care of her. And Boaz sees Ruth in this great need, and he wants to meet the need. Now, of course, it's ultimately Ruth's decision. She could say, no, I'm not going to leave. I'm not going to stay. I'm going to leave. And now it's her, her decision. But with words like, go not to glean in another field, neither go from hence, he's using all the persuasive powers he can to keep her from wandering off. And what we see in Boaz is a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. See, we're not here, we're not, we're not with the Lord Jesus Christ because we hold on to the Lord. We're with the Lord because he has a hold on us. He, he's our Boaz. He's saying to us, go not away, neither go from hence, abide here. See, when we open up our Bible and hear him say, hearest thou not my child, when we read about that, then, then we're going to read the words of John 10, 28. I give unto them eternal life. They shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. See, just like Boaz looking at Ruth with her needs, the Lord looks at us with our needs, and he says, they need eternal life. They need to not perish. And the Lord steps right up and says, I give unto them eternal life. They shall never perish. And then he says, in order to keep us from going from him, in order to keep us stayed with him, he says, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Keeping his own from being lost, that was so much his priority, so much on his mind. See, when he was about to leave the world, when for all intents and purposes the world was behind him, as he's about to leave the world, heaven is in front of him, and his mind is really no longer on the world because he'd finished the work that the Father had given him to do in, uh, on earth, and now heaven is before him, and he prays his famous and now prayer in John 17, 11 through 12, when he says, and now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to thee. Holy Father, keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou hast gavest me, I've kept. None of them is lost, but the son of perdition. The scripture may be fulfilled. And now, he says, I'm no more in the world. His mind is not in the world anymore. He was sent to do the work. He did the work, the work that was given to him. Isaiah 61.1 was the work. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has appointed me, anointed me to preach the good tidings to the meek sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. The Father sent him to do that. The Father sent him to preach the gospel, preach the good news, salvation, heal, set it for the prisoners of sin at free, freedom, set them free. See, he completed the job. He did it. 
John 17, 4, he said, I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. He's looking forward to leaving the earth when he says, I am no more in the world and I'm coming to you. He's ready to come back to heaven. He says, I'm not in the world anymore. I'm coming to you. But one problem, one problem, he's conflicted. He cannot totally turn his back on the world because of a problem. And he states the problem, these are in the world. And so he's saying, oh, Father, I so much want to be done with this world. It's not easy. But I finished the work you gave me to do. I want to come. I want to return back. I want to go back to that place where, where it's spoken about in Proverbs 8.30. Then I was by him as one brought up daily with him. I was daily his delight, rejoicing always before him. He's saying, I want to go back to that. He wanted to return to being with the Father, to daily delighting with the Father, rejoicing before the Father. He was so done with the world, but he couldn't turn his back on the world because these are in the world. So he turns his focus to them, and he says, Father, please, could you just keep through your name? See, keep through thy name. His concern is that those that he kept while he was here would not be lost and that the Father would keep them. He said, I did my job. I kept them in thy name. And when he uses the word keep, he says the word toreo, which means I watched over them. I kept an eye on them. I guarded them. It shows his ultimate concern, his ultimate goal while he was here on earth is to watch over, to guard. And he did such a good job over that that he could say, none of them is lost. He said, because I was constantly watching them, constantly making sure that none of them were lost. I understand this. I have 13 koi fish. I've had them for 14 years. And those fish and I have gone through a lot of drama together, <laughs> which I talk to them about from time to time. And there was the drama of the raccoons coming at night where I hear the water splashing. I jump up out of bed, grab the flashlight, see those little masked bandits down there in the water, nonetheless. And it's a, you know, the audacity of you and say other things and, and scare them away, see? And then there was the drama of the blue herons. And, and they're, standing, they're standing now in the pond with their big beaks trying to stab the fish. And again, more drama, and I yell, go and yell at them. And, and, and when I go to feed those fish, you know, I sit down on a little bench there, and I think a little bit of the times, you know, the drama that we've shared together. And, and every time I sit on the bench, I, I just do something. I don't know why. I just, I can't. It's just by habit. You know what I do? I count them. I count them. I, I sit back and I go, because they swim fast. I go, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, nine, nine, ten. Okay, you moved. Okay, I'll start again. And, and, and so, and, 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 and because there's a jet black one that's very hard to see. But so if I count 12, then I stop counting and I just look for the jet black one anyway. So, because if there's anything splashing in the night, I rush outside with the flashlight and I do the count until I hit 13. And I can't go back to sleep till I count 13. I tell them, I said, I'm just like a Jewish mother. I'm fussing over you, the koi fish, making sure there's always 13 in the pond. Why? Because I have to make sure I haven't lost any. See, that's exactly what the Lord is talking about here. See, while he was here on earth, he was always doing the count. And he was fussing over them doing the count all the time, the count every day, all the time. Make sure he lost none. Now, if my heart is on these 13 koi fish, 
How much more is his heart on his own that he should lose none? And every day do his count so he could say, I lost none. I lost none. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California. Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program was brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.